Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Yeshayahu Perak Chavzayin, Chapter 27 of Isaiah. So today, let's talk about the Livyatan. Is that a whale? What exactly is it? But let's take a look. Bayomahu, Perakhabzain, Pasuk Aleph, on that day, Yifkod Hashem Kasha, God will punish with his cruel, mighty sword, Alivyatan Nachashbariach, on the Livyatan, the serpent of Bariach, Valivyatan Nachash Akalaton, Varagetatanin Ashebayam, and he will slay the dragon of the sea. What exactly are we talking about? Maybe some of you have heard about legends about the Leviathan, the Livyatan. Here we talk about two different ones, Nachash Bariach, a snake which is like a Bariach, which is like a rivet. It is straight. Val Livyatan Nachash Akalton, which means uh, a, a curved. So one is, is a straight serpent or a straight Livyatan, some water creature. And the other one is one which is sort of curved and wavy. And it's sometimes here called the Tanin. Notice here with Moshe, do you remember? Moshe had a story with Pharaoh with the Nachash, with the serpent, which he threw on his staff on the floor and it became a Nachash. And he threw his staff on the floor and it became a Tanin. So Nachash and Tanin are interchangeable. Here we have the Livyatan. The Livyatan, which sometimes is seen as a whale, it is the uh, a sea creature. We know the Livyatan f- from a very beautiful psalm, Tehillim Perek Kofdalad Barchinashi, and we say Zehayamagadol Verachav Yadayim. This sea so big, like an ocean, Sham Aniot Yalechun. That's where the the boats. That's where the big ships sail. Livyatan Zehatzarta Lasachikbo. This is the where the Livyatan can play, and if you've ever seen whales in the sea, the way they go up, they go, they go down, they, they are some, a, a creature which looks like it's, it's playing in the sea. But I think a creature of that great size, I mean, sometimes you go to the, you know, Natural History Museum, and certainly the one in London has this huge blue skeleton of a blue whale, and the size is just colossal. Um, and I can imagine that this provided fertile um, evidence or fertile fears of huge monsters. I know that coming in, coming from England, you have the Loch Ness monster. Does it exist? Doesn't it exist? But certainly we get this impression from the Tanakh in other places. I'll give a couple of other examples. We have Ataporata Boz Chayam. You drive back the sea. This is Tehillim Ayin Dalad, chapter 74 in Tehillim. You push back the sea with your might. You smash the heads of the Taninim, the monsters in the water. And who else do you do you smash? You crush You leave it as food for for, for certain people. The the point here is that you that there are sea monsters, scary sea monsters. And the sea is scary, and the Leviathan is is huge. And maybe the ultimate statement of this 
is in the book of Eov, where the Eov, where Eov in Parak Mem and Mem Aleph starts talking about the scary Leviathan. He says, who can even Timshok Leviathan Bechakal, the Chevel Tashkiel Shono? Do you think you can catch a Leviathan with your fish hook? And later on, he talks about how scary he is. For example, uh, by the way, we you see at the end of chapter 41 that this Leviathan in, in, in Eov is really a metaphor for kings and for proud kings. But I'll just mention a couple of lines here. Perak Mem Aleph Pasug Yud, Ati Shotav Tahel Or, his sneezings flash lightnings. His eyes are like the glimmerings of the dawn. From his mouth, he breathes fire. Right? You've got to run away from his fire. From his nostrils come smoke. And maybe, indeed, they were looking at the, um, at the, the snout of the, of the whales and the air which comes out of it, right? Uh, I'll just mention a Gemara here in Baba Batra. When the Leviathan, when the whale is, is hungry, he gives vapor from his mouth. And he boils all the waters in the depths of the sea. And they bring this indeed from this verse in Eov, Perek Mem Aleph. And what I'm saying is that this image is one of the most you know, scary images we could imagine in nature. And as frequently happens, this becomes almost like a, a mythic image. Um, and so let me, let's take that one, one stage further and go back to our, our Perak, that God is killing these monsters, these serpents, these twisting dragons. And, and what's going on here? So if you go to Rashi, Rashi says that, of course, this is a metaphor. Uh, he says, that's Mitzrayim, that's Egypt. That is Ashur. The Tanina Shebayam, the whale in the sea, is sore, is tired. In other words, uh, Yeshayahu is talking about his own age where the major powers are Assyria, are Egypt, are Tyre. And basically this whole chapter, which will then... Chapter 27 will then continue and turn into a song. We have a, a song of a vineyard here. And the, the, the chapter talks about the idea that God is going to get rid of his enemies. He's going to make peace. He's going to um, renew the altar in Jerusalem. All of the altar is now going to be cleansed like fresh limestone. He's going to get rid of Asherim and Chamanim. Lo Asherim Chamanim. No Avodah Zara. And on that day, God will blow the great Shofar. And those who are lost in the land of Assyria. And those who are scattered in the land of Egypt will come if indeed these chapters are being said at the time when Assyria has already exiled the ten tribes and now Jerusalem is under siege this chapter all makes sense as a metaphor that God is going to strike the great Leviathan of Assyria, the great Leviathan of Egypt, 
all the superpowers he's going to restore Israel and all the exiles are going to come back from Ashur Be'eretz Ashur Vanidachim Eretz Yisraim and come back to a renewed, cleansed Jerusalem. But of course, let us go back to the methodology of how to read the book of Yeshayahu. It might well be that every single prophecy of Yeshayahu was in fact spoken for its own time. In which case, Yeshayahu in all of these chapters from 24 to 27 is predicting this sense of the attack on Jerusalem, which will eventually cleanse Jerusalem, and then the Jewish people will be restored, and God's um, way of leading the world with chesed and rachamim and tzedek will rule the planet. However, as we know, though there was a victory and though Jerusalem survived, this age of nirvana, this age of perfection, this age of tzedek umishpat never came to bear. And this is where so many of the prophecies of Isaiah are sort of deferred from this period, the period in 721 and 701 BCE, from the period of Assyria, from the period of Chizkiyahu. They are deferred way down the line into history to the end of days. And that's where we have a Gemara here in Baba Batra, a very famous idea. And Amorabah, uh, Amorabi Yochanan, Rabbi Daf Ayin Hey, um, Rabbi says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Atira Kadosh God is going to make a feast for the righteous, Mibsarosha Livyatan. That when God slaughters the Leviathan, who will eat from it? It will be the righteous. And um, again, he quotes from, uh, from uh, Eov. But of course, this goes back to the Pshat of these Prakim, because if you remember, um, in Perak Hey Pasuk Vav, back in chapter 25, We have this idea that we're going to have a Su'uda feast in Jerusalem. And this idea that um, Jerusalem will be a place of feasting and recognition of God is now merged with the idea of the slaughtering of the, of the Leviathan the idea that everything powerful in the world will be under God's dominion. And this becomes a sort of a, a messianic hope, a messianic dream, that all of those fears, all of the things which, which frighten us, um, will be brought under God's control. Of course, one of the, the great examples of this is, of course, the story of Yonah, where there we have this Dug Gadol, it's not actually called a whale, but we've got a dug gadol so large that it can swallow a person alive. And it's totally, Vayaman Hashem dug gadol, God is in control of this great fish. And of course, where is Yonah sent? To uh, Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of Ashur. In other words, uh, God in, in the story of Yonah is showing his absolute control of the Livyatan, the control of the large fish, um, and his call for Assyria to do, uh, to do, to repent. So here we see that these are images which are played around with in the Tanakh. And we see the reading, the historical reading for, for uh, the period of Yeshayahu himself, and then the pan-historic reading, which frequently becomes the basis for messianic visions. That's it for today. See you tomorrow.